Another edition of Outreach Warrior. I'm James Baker, your host, along with my amazing producer, Tom, in the background, doing his magic. I am super fortunate to be joined today by my dear friend, Joey. He's back for a part two. We talked a lot about Joey's past, how his uh, some struggles, ups and downs. He's doing a lot better now. But from questions that we got from some of our listeners was how Joey got sick and how Joey's couldn't walk and how the MRSA that he acquired MRSA. And so we want to let our listeners, we want to follow up with Joey, see how he's doing right now. And we want to get right into it. Hey, Joey, how you doing? What's going on, James? Oh, not much. I'm up North uh, doing the family thing, uh, doing my thing up here. I just wanted to, we had, we had a lot of positive feedback with you, man. And we appreciate so much you being here. So we're just going to jump right in. So Okay. Fast forward, if you haven't heard before, please listen to the previous podcast. Um, Joey, I met Joey in a rehabilitation center, but Joey was there because of his MRSA, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joey, when I met him, was barely walking and it progressively got worse. So today, I kind of want to go in your story, Joey, and then about how you, you're, I mean, you're older but you look a lot younger than you are so you're you know you're in good shape but how this happened when you were out there living in your tent and being on the streets how this happened how the MRSA progressed and how you got to where you are today gonna jump in when I need to Joey take it away my man okay well I say uh around August and September of last year I started having back problems you know and I just chalked it up to the fact that I, you know, I've hurt my back before and it wasn't anything new and it went on and on for about six weeks. And I went to the hospital. Well, being homeless, having no insurance, I was kind of treated like a non-insured homeless guy. And they said, well, you have a fracture on your back and they discharged me immediately. No, no paperwork, no back brace, no nothing. They just kind of scooted me out the door. So I took that as a given and went back to what I was doing. Uh, but the pain progressively got worse to the point to where I was on the floor of my tent for a week, not being able to stand up, not being able to just laying there moaning in pain. Um, somebody finally called an ambulance for me and they came in and flatboarded me out of the woods. And once I got to the hospital, they did the CAT scans and the MRIs and all that stuff. And they says, well, you have uh, an infection in your back. So we're going to treat you with high dose antibiotics. And they sent me to the rehabilita- rehabilitation center. Okay, so and you were there and you saw as the week progressed, I got progressively worse. I didn't get better. Uh, By the seventh day, I lost all feeling from the waist down completely. I could barely move the toes on my left foot just a little tiny bit. And they took me back to the hospital where they told me that I had uh, three vertebrae in my back had been basically eaten away and had collapsed on the nerves in my, my back. And they took me to emergency surgery the next morning. Uh, they fused three of my vertebrae together, put two rods, eight screws and a bridge in my back to hold my spine together. And within two hours after waking up, I was up walking around. I could feel myself below again and I could feel all my extremities, my toes, my feet, my legs. 
The only drawback to that was now I have severe neuropathy in my legs. They tingle and hurt. Uh, sometimes if I'm walking, they feel like jello. Uh, it's sometimes it keeps me up at night because I'm unable to go to sleep because they, they jerk and they move and, you know, on, on their own politician, I don't have to do anything for it to happen. They just move. But I went back to the rehab where I was there for uh, eight weeks of intensive uh, antibiotic therapy. Sorry. And uh, I was discharged and I progressively gotten better. I've learned that I can walk again without the aid of a walker. I still have to use a cane moderately. Um, I'm on lifetime antibiotics because the infection that's in my blood will never go away. Uh, there's been a lot of supposition as to how I got it. Um, we're not really sure because I used to dig through the trash a lot um, to, to find my way and make my way living out on the streets. But the biggest theory is that somehow I cut my hand and I was either come in contact with some, some kind of, you know, something that the virus was on or in and it subsequently got into a cut and got into my body. So I have to be really, really careful about my health now and, um, you know, the things that I do. And I have to take doses of antibiotics every day, twice a day. And that is lifetime. I will never be able to stop taking them. And I have to be monitored periodically and go get blood work done to make sure that my levels are correct. But, uh, well, it's, yeah, I'm, it's I'm, great. I'm it's, again and... it's great go that you're feeling better. It's great that you're feeling better. And our listeners and myself and Tom, like, like I said, when I met you, man, you were you were in rough shape, and you're you're looking great now. But I I do want to touch upon, and I know I know that we talked about, you know, I didn't want to bring up embarrassing things, but you said it was okay. But we talked a lot when we were together about how the dumpster diving, and I find that fascinating. And you told me some amazing stories about some of the stuff that you found. So if you could touch on that, that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You would be amazed at what people throw away. I mean, I found uh, I found Rolex watches. I found money. I found guns, I found drugs, I found anything you can think of that a person would have. You know, you may have a gun collection in your house, you may have a knife collection in your house, you may have a collection of cameras, whatever that is, I found it. And I actually made a very, very decent living off of it without having to, you know, resort to what a lot of people out there did, you know, sneaking up in people's yards and stealing and things like that, which thankfully I never did. And, oh, I, I mean, it's just, I found all kinds of stuff. I was, I found brand new clothes that had been thrown away with tags on them. I once took a bundle of baby clothes back to Target and got a $70 credit because they were all still in the, in the bag and still had uh, tags on them. Uh, shoes, uh, just anything you can think of. It was, it's, it's amazing what people throw away. It's amazing. I mean, and, and so many people take what they have for granted and throw it away. So what would you think was your, biggest haul in from from going into the dumpster that that made you the most uh, my biggest, money that okay i'd say my biggest haul in would be uh, a man who had apparently been a professional uh, photographer slash uh he did watches on the side like fixed them and rebuilt them and what have you apparently he died in an apartment complex and i found the stuff that was uh you know thrown out of his apartment i found a bunch of old kodak cameras um a couple of portable battery chargers that you could charge up and then go, you know, take out in the woods and plug in whatever you needed to use at the time. And I also found 27 watches, one Rolex that was fully functional, one that was being rebuilt, and a whole case of watch pieces and 
and parts and stuff. And all together, off of all of that, I made probably about six hundred dollars. Wow, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, I mean, I found guns, BB guns. I uh, found a twenty-two one time. Uh, just really nice knife collection. I found one time coins. Um, I found a couple of silver, silver, uh, actually three silver eagle gold, uh, not gold, silver coins. And a small coin collection as well that I made about $150 off of one time. Bicycles, racing bikes. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's, incre- the, that, that's uh, incredible. That's incredible because, I mean, so many people wouldn't even imagine throwing stuff like that away. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I don't I'm mean gonna... to interject, gentlemen. Um, but James is the, the kind and loving, and I'm the cynic of the group. This is Tom, the producer. I got to ask, to be blunt. How much of that stuff do you think is stolen property that was thrown? Um, that I really couldn't say. I believe that none of the things that I really found was stolen because a lot of times I, I would go to uh, apartment complexes. There was one apartment complex that had 500 units and one dumpster. I mean, it was a massive dumpster, but it was one dumpster for 500 different apartments. And people die and they have no family or, or anybody to notify or, and you know, they have a time frame where they empty the apartment out so they can re-rent it. It's all about money. And so they throw all the stuff away. And, you know, I, I went into the, the one I'm talking about where there was uh, the 500 units in one dumpster one time. And I found an entire collection of a dollhouse where this guy built dollhouses. It was one giant dollhouse and four garbage bags full of accessories that went with it. And, you know, I grabbed all that up and ended up selling it piece, pieces and parts out and what have you. But I really don't think a lot of it was stolen. There could have been some of it because sometimes when you find stuff in questionable places, it's like, huh, how did this get here? And why is it here? But I would say that the majority of what I found was from people passing away and uh, or just moving, you know, people fight and one gets kicked out, one one leaves and so their stuff gets thrown away and stuff like that. There was a lot of that. I found a lot of jewelry um, where people separated and you know, the man got mad, threw everything of hers out, and it was all the clothes and jewelry and stuff like that. I found that several times. And then vice versa, where the, the guy got kicked out, and, you know, I found his stuff that was really nice stuff that she got mad at, threw it away as well. My my biggest thing was I would go to apartment complex because that's where you found the most stuff at and where you found the best stuff at. So we talked about, like, the, the what made you the most money. So what was the most bizarre thing that you found? sex toys i found an entire <laughs> bag <laughs> yeah i found an entire bag of sex toys that had a uh as strange as it is sound it had a water bong inside of it as well for smoking marijuana actually for smoking dabs you know the, mm. the but that dab stuff but yeah and there was uh just about any and every kind of sex toy you could think of that was in there yes that was uh <laughs> that was probably the weird did you find and any automotive? Yeah, I found actually, uh, it was funny. I, I went behind a uh, Chinese restaurant one time and they had thrown away the cash drawer. They had gotten a new one to go under the register. And I looked down in the crack in the cash drawer and I saw a $20 bill. So I pulled it out, took it back, opened it up. There was two $20 bills and a dollar in change. So $41 that time. Uh, another time I was rooting through a dumpster that was a familiar one. I checked once or twice a week and found uh, $37 in cash. Uh, there was $22 in a Walmart bag that somebody had thrown away and then another $15, which is loose in some paperwork. 
I guess people get in a hurry when they throw things away and they just don't pay attention. And yeah, I found money several times. I found five dollars four or five different times laying on the side of the road, just walking to and from, you know, here to there. And uh, yeah, I, I found money a few times. Not as much as I would have liked to, but quite a bit. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I mean, first of all, it's amazing that you could get by by doing that, you know, and it sounds a little crazy, but, you know, that's what you got to do to survive. And God bless it, you, man. It does. Like, and it is. You know, if you talk to normal people who've never had to experience that and you tell them, they just kind of look at you like, you know, but I felt like being on the streets like that was my fault. And I didn't want other people to pay for it by me committing crimes on them and taking things and, you know, what have you. So I did everything possible that I could to support myself without resorting to that type of lifestyle or doing those type of things. And I did pretty good at it for a couple of years until I started having the back problems. And, you know, I'm just now getting to where I'm well again. If I were to have to face it again, I think I would be okay again. But uh, there for about a year or so, there was no way. There was no way. I could barely walk. I, I could... You know, if it wouldn't have been for uh, a few people, yourself included, around me that helped me, I would have I would have been in trouble badly, really badly. And that's a shame. You know, you, you're out there in the woods like that and you get hurt. You can't, you know, you have nowhere to go or no one to rely on. It's it's tough. Well, I mean, that was the miracle itself that someone got you out of the woods the first time when it started happening. That you just weren't there by yourself. And, you know, it's a scary situation right. to think if nobody was there. It is. I mean, I had a few people that, that were around me that I had known for the time that I'd been there in that location, and they were really good friends and, you know, helped me a lot. And uh, once I was able to obtain a phone, I talked to a friend of mine that was, we were best friends in, in middle school, high school, and I had spoken to him and probably, well, I spoke to him on Facebook, but I hadn't seen him in 25, you know, 30 years. And he came down and got me and brought me up here with him. So I'm, I'm staying with his family uh, up here in the middle of the woods of nowhere in Ocala. And while, uh, while my disability claim goes, you know, struggling through and just trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, but thankfully, I'm not living in the woods anymore and I don't have to worry about where I lay my head at night. And it's, it's a blessing. It's truly a blessing. Well, we're all glad that you're safe, that you're doing a lot better, that you have a place right now to call home that's not the woods, you know, that you're with your friends. That's, that, that's awesome. And thank you for being a friend of the podcast. And I was very fortunate to meet Joey and hopefully we'll be friends for a really long time. Joey, is there anything that you want to say to finish up the podcast? I just want to say, uh, you know, I think the fortune was mine meeting you because you've helped me in so many ways and your organization is a blessing to a lot of people. Just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it, it helps a lot. And to anyone out there that's facing the problems of being homeless and it looks bleak and despairing, just keep your head up and, and, and just keep trying because it, it will get better. It will get better. And that's one of the things that we try to talk about on here is that there is a lot of help out there, um, but it's really hard to, when you're facing homelessness, when you're in that position to find it. I mean, it's there, there's tons of organizations. And, but um, that's why we kind of think this is a good idea to try to promote, you know, and get the ideas out there and have spread the knowledge and the awareness of what, what's available. Joey, my friend, thank you for taking your time today to come come talk to us. Come no talk to us. And thank you for tuning in this week. Hopefully you enjoyed Joey's story. We always love having Joey here. If you have a story, know someone that has a story and would like to get in contact with us, please email us at outreachwarrior at gmail.com. Or please reach out to us on Reddit at r slash outreachwarrior. 
and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in.